Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rich Hills Golf Show podcast, episode 153. I've got a little bit of husk in my voice, can you tell? Yeah. So it it kind of sounds quite good through the headphones, though. It does. It sounds like um, an old man in the corner of a golf club with a whiskey. <laughs> Come that'll, over, let me tell you a story. That'll be in the future. Let me tell you a story about a series I used to run called Break 75. I, I wonder if in, like, how old are you now? 30-something, mid-30s. 36. So, like, in, like, 30 years... And obviously, you're probably not doing YouTube anymore, let's be honest. If you'll still be playing golf, I think you will. I don't I think you'll ever stop. And you're a member of a golf club. Let's be honest, quite a nice golf club, I imagine. I'd imagine so. What would people who were like the, the young 20-year-old lad who's like trying to get on tour, who's the good member of the club, who's off like plus one, what would they think of you? Would you be like, cool still? Or would you be like, oh, my dad used to watch him, he used to make videos. <laughs> what? <laughs> my dad, what, what's videos? Well, in, in VR? No, 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 like... 2D videos, yeah. Oh my, oh. It's just in 4K? Yeah. Oh, God. how did you watch that sort of stuff? You put goggles on, right? No, it was on the TV. <laughs> yeah, did your dad have a TV? Yeah, I mean, I used to have a TV. You had to hold a phone to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I did. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, that's him. That's the old guy that's in the corner. That's what you're going to be like. Who's, uh... And you'll pap it nowhere, 200 yards. You'll be the guy that wears two gloves and has like a bag <laughs> full of woods. He's got an 11 wood. I will be a tinkerer. When I'm older, oh, absolutely. I'll have so many. I mean, I've, luckily I've got some clubs now, but I'll have, I'll have so many different clubs. Or I could just revert straight to swingless. Yes. Swingless golf. Well, club. I think you'd have the guy that accepts he's going old and just says, right, I'm going to have loads of woods, loads of hybrids, a little chipper. Or you're going to be like playing with blades and extra stiff shafts. And I was like, Richard, you'll be Richard by then. <laughs> you're I grow into my name. 67, you shouldn't be using these. Oh, well, I can still use these. Watch this. Watch this. I can still get 120 miles per hour club at speed. They're like, you still talking miles per hour? <laughs> We're talking gigatrons a second. <laughs> gigatrons a second, I love that. You still drive to the golf club, everyone else teleports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, yeah. What, what are you doing all that for? Well, today's podcast is a random one. It's actually recorded on a Friday rather than the usual Monday because Matt, behind the camera, is on holiday How? as we speak dare he so we've had to move it forward so therefore if anything massive happens this weekend you're thinking why has Rick not mentioned that Tiger Woods recorded a 57 at his home course and it's gone viral that's because we didn't know we literally had no idea 
And he actually got beat by his son, Charlie, who shot yeah. 56. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be Miles in the Future. It's only Monday, but it feels like we're talking about Miles in the Future. <laughs> it feels like the, the weekend is such an uncertainty. We're like, what could possibly go on? What could possibly... I think I might have one run in me. I might do a run this weekend. I might watch a bit of telly and not a great deal, really. I might be playing golf this weekend. Oh, wow. I might be getting a Sunday morning early round of golfing. Um, but, um, well, we can say because it'll be gone at Marriott. I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes down. But why? So Carter is right. around, and he said, do you fancy a game? I'm like, yeah, go on then. I'm not filming it, but I'll He's going to stay at mine Saturday night. Is he actually? Yeah, we have oh a few brewskis, a little takeaway. Sunday wow. morning, we're going to go and have a little knock around Maz. Nice. Like a 7.30 tea No off. way you're playing at 7.30 having beers on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think we're not filming it. Little, Feel little me if, if he doesn't <laughs> film it, more fool him. <laughs> I'm telling him he's not. Um... Yes, little 7.30, I'll sound huskier than I do now, little buggy if it's not too wet, we're drowning. It's a good job you don't always talk like this, because you'd have women flocking you all the time. I, I actually think I would. The podcast would be number one in all the charts, and you'd have male, well, male and female golfers would like it because it's golf, and there'd be a certain demographic who listened, go, you, but you hate golf, oh I know, but this podcast is so good, just, just listen gets, to you. Just gets me in the mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's quite going to happen, but... I actually don't even know what's happening this weekend. I know you guys listening will have known. There's a live event. On. Yeah, well, that's one thing we're going to talk about. So today's one of them random shows. We've got quite a good few emails. We've got um, some good Facebook questions. I've got a question for you and a bit of a topic I want to come on to. But yeah, it is live. And that leads me very nicely, almost like you knew I was going to mention this, onto the first talking point of the podcast. So it's come out today. Again, this is Friday. We're recording this this morning. That uh, we, You might have heard that live has become kind of co-sanctioned with the Minotaur to try and give their players access to world ranking points and make their events uh, world ranking points worthy, for a better phrase. This morning, it's been announced that uh, the official world golf ranking are not going to be allowing Bangkok, which is this weekend, or Jeddah, which is the weekend after, to receive world ranking points. However... It could mean that next year, once this review has gone in place, the official World Golf Ranking Board might decide that Liv is worthy of world ranking points by being sanctioned by Minotaur. However, they may also not. So my question to you, Rick, really, is what does... I know, again, we speak about Liv a lot, but we have to. It's such, you know, it's such news. What does this mean for Liv and the players that have signed up? Because they must have been... You know, Cameron Smith, yeah, he's going to get into the Open until he's 60, I think it is. He's going to get the next five years of majors. He's pretty cushy. You guys like a Sam Horsfield who we'll talk about a lot. If these world ranking points don't come to fruition, what does this mean for him? Yeah. The guys like him? I think you see the tremendous drop-off in world ranking stature of the players that have gone to live at the moment. Yeah. Players like Dustin Johnson. I mean, mm. I don't know where he is in the world right now, but he's really... I don't know where he is in the world right now. He's actually probably just played in Bangkok. But like where he's in the world rankings, he, he has dropped. isn't. So let's just have a quick look so we can get some facts right. World ranking golf. Um, another one I saw the other day, which is probably a little bit more justifiable. Um, Phil Mickelson is outside yeah. like the world top 100 now. But right now, when you look at this, Dustin Johnson is 23rd in the world. <laughs> Sometimes hard to measure because he has won, obviously, on live. Mm-hmm. And the, a lot of argument would say, well, it's not the same field. It's not the same type of golfer. But it's still a very strong field these days. Yes. You cannot look past the strength of the fields. Mm. You know, maybe the first event in London, you could probably go, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's not that strong a field. Now you have got some of the biggest names in golf 
like you've just said, Cam Smith as well. Cam Smith has not moved down now to third in the world, so he's not actually changed that much just yet. But they've got to take it seriously, and the the world ranking points are needed for live players because, like I say, they want to get into these events around the world. Um, it'll be very, very interesting to see how it actually comes about because I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks on the podcast about world ranking points. I don't think I was quite fully aware of the of the um, what's the right word the the criteria mm. to, to have an event to have world ranking points. And there's something along big along the lines of these invitationals is a big sticking point when it comes to world ranking points. They're getting around that now because Asian tour events are actually now becoming qualifying mm. events for live. Yeah. So I think they are getting around that kind of loophole in the system. It's like the Masters is an invitational by definition, but you have to be invited by being certain criteria, yeah. I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Like they're not just going to invite somebody just for I the sake of I think I invited you. <laughs> So you hit 3 million subscribers, they go, right, it's a treat. We're going to invite to play in the Masters. <laughs> I'd do it. Would you actually? So you get invited? Genuinely would. I think that's the... Would you not care what you shot? I wouldn't give a damn. Would you I snap wouldn't. my hand off for 285s? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I would. Um, what about 79.95? So you've got a 79 in there that shows you've done decent, but you've got a 95 oh. as well. I think that's okay. Could I shoot the 79 first? But would you want to win it as a dessert? So you have a 95, it makes headlines. Everyone's like, oh my God, Rick Shields shot the worst score ever at... Um, no, because I want to start Sandy with Lyle a Sandy comes one. up to you and laughs. Goes, ah, <laughs> not so easy now, is it, son? But then you get the 79. I'm not sure. I'm Either not way. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it does make a little bit of a mockery of the world ranking points at the moment because of all this kind of split divide and different tours and everything else. Um, yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it comes. It seems like they're getting their own, they're getting the way by getting world ranking points, even though it's not this event or the next one. I think it could come down. It, the it, line. I think it for them, it's arguably the last piece of the puzzle for for live because if they can have massive, massive, massive checkbooks, obviously, and pay players squillions to play, and they could still get into the four major championships, playing those events, I think that's them kind of settled. Then, isn't it? Yeah. If, if they can't get world ranking points. Surely there has to be a part of time where, you know, guys have already made the bed. And I'm going to keep referring to Sam Horsfield, not for any other reason. That he, I think he's a great example of a really good talent whose world ranking is going to slip. You know, are they going to hit the future Sam Horsfields if, if in three years' time, they've still got massive checkbooks, which they will have, but they haven't got world ranking points. Surely there will become a time where players like, no, I do want to follow the PGA Tour path and play yeah. in the majors. Or, again, I can't see this happening, if the big guys aren't playing in majors, does that then start to devalue majors? You know, if you won, if you won the Masters, let's say, and there was an asterisk because there was, you know, no Dustin Johnson, there was no Cameron Smith, blah blah blah. Does that then feel like it's not as? It's like winning the Premier League without Liverpool, potentially City, Chelsea. Would it still feel like the Premier League? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. So it'd, it'd give United a chance. It would. Um, yeah, I think I think it's one of those very interesting topics at the moment. And um, it seems like they're going through any different way they can get round these kind of restrictions, let's yeah. say. Uh, the Minotaur, does it do anything for those guys? I mean, I don't even know really what the Minotaur is. Well, I think it's essentially yet. the Asian Euro Pro. Right. So you've got, I think you've got the Asian Tour, then the Asian, um, I was it the Foundation Tour or something that sits below it, which is like right. the Challenge Tour, really. And then you've got the Minotaur. I bet Euro Pro were like, but yeah, you could have used those guys. No, imagine if they had. 
That would have been a good way of... Obviously, we had Reese on the podcast last week. Hopefully, you enjoyed that episode. We also filmed a video with Reese, uh, which will be coming out next week. So which good. Is, it might even be coming out this week, actually. It is so, so good. Well, we teased it, the fact that in the, in, in the podcast that he's going to get £100 per birdie. He did well. He did very well. He fleeced me. What a golf. And again, speaking about Reece, at the podcast last week, we hadn't seen him play, had we? No. We then went to go and see him play, and he's unbelievable. He, he just... What was the big thing that stood out to you? The big one of the big well, two things, things for me. Go on. The, the one big thing for me was his, his ability to just put the ball and play off the tee in, in position A. There yep. was not a single shot he hit off the tee really that was any remote danger. You didn't question where the ball was going to. No, he had quite a low ball flight at times. Which he said he's, he's almost what he sometimes hits. He's not hitting it great, but it was such a, a good, good flight that just never looked in danger. That was one thing, and his approach play was good as well. His distance, his distance control. Just, yeah was outstanding. Yeah. One of the best I've ever seen from anyone I've ever played with. Well, he hit a few wedges that he wasn't over the moon with upon, you know, actually hitting them. And I can understand why, because in terms of actual direction, they were a few degrees off, which on a short shot is quite a lot. But because the distance control was so good, he had an eight foot, yeah. 10 foot putt. Unbelievable. He, he really was. And it, it goes to show the depth of how many great players there are That's in this insane. game. Do you know what I mean? If he said, in the open limit on the podcast last week, if he played against Rory McIlroy four rounds of golf, he'd probably be eight shots back. That's what he said, wasn't it? Two shots yeah. around. Which, unless we actually had, uh, ever did that video, it's hard to actually determine. Um, but he, he had a bunch of birdies in him. He didn't seem like he would make a mistake. But he is one of hundreds and thousands of golfers of that ability. This is the, Right, I'm going to say something that's a bit bold. You might disagree with this. He is an amazing golfer. But as you said, there's completely different levels to get to the top, top, top boys. Insane levels, right? Honest to God now, this is a silly analogy, but I'm going to say it. If you got a big portion of average golfers at a golf club, right, and you could somehow fool them, and, and, and they walked around with us and Reese, and let's just say Reese played exactly the same as he did, that they didn't get any under pressure by more people watching him, whatever. I think you could convince him on that day. So you could convince the audience that he's one of the best player in the world. Yeah. That sounds yeah. silly, and we won't give away how many birdies he had. But the way he hit the golf ball, if you were off an 18 handicap, and said, this is the world number one, Reese Nevin, and you watched him play, you know, you'd go, yeah, I get right. that. You had nothing to argue. No. You couldn't turn around and go, ah, is he? Yeah. Because he, he just, yeah, it was it was very, very impressive. And uh, he was a really nice guy, and hopefully he'll come across great on video. Yeah. Um, but but it, again, it just, it's really thinking after we filmed with him after playing with him. It was early this week. Like, it is bloody hard to make it as a living as a golf professional these days, isn't it's it? It's insane. It must have got harder. I think you're right, because it's always been, obviously, the elite level that gets, obviously, the recognition, the TV and stuff like that. But there's so many more people now who are becoming full-time elite amateurs yeah. who are getting looked after by England golf yeah. or whatever, which is great to see. And there's such a improvement in obviously knowledge as well. So yeah. club mechanics, swing mechanics, clubs, balls, uh, fitness. Yeah. You know, access to information, the of internet, course. YouTube, etc. And, so, and things like obviously the coaching's improved. Things like Trapman, the practice facilities have yeah. got better. And I think there's more people now who've got a blueprint in front of them yeah. who think, right, okay, if I finished as a lad at my golf club, the one that you met at West Lanks actually, who apparently has had a year out playing golf. Oh, yeah. There's a bit more of a blueprint now. People say, right, I'm a good standard. I'm 18. I'm gonna. You know, my parents are funding me. I'm going to leave college or sixth form, whatever that might be, have a year playing full-time and see how I go on. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, I'll go to university yeah. then, which is quite cool. You know, why not? Give it a chance or I'll get a job. Maybe, I know it's, maybe that wasn't as much of a known no. thing 20, 30, 40 years ago. It really wouldn't have been. 
It's interesting that, and it's only going to get better. Players are getting longer. The short games are getting better. The wedge play is getting better and better. And I think also people now are more aware, obviously, of how important it is to keep your body in shape in the practice. I think yeah. people are getting more motivated, more dedicated. It is. It's, it's quite outstanding. I, I almost wish, <laughs> I know it's hard to turn back, right? if we had that knowledge, I feel like even in our area, we didn't have that knowledge, like growing up. No. I felt very blind, and and maybe because my parents were into golf, my mum wasn't like dead. She wasn't like she was a member of the golf club, but it wasn't as if she was like um, like a you know really good player. And she knew the pathway herself mm-hmm. because I didn't have a lot of people to guide me through that pathway. Yeah, like again, I got stuck in this trap of being a really good golfer at my golf club, but I never expanded my wings at all. I never tested myself. And, and unfortunately that, that really affected my, my performance because yeah. I wasn't putting myself in these more challenging situations and, and, and improving because of those. Yeah. See, I was a bit different to that. Maybe because I was a couple of years younger, but I kind of did do, and I knew I was nowhere near good enough, which yeah. deep down hurt. Like I um, entered the Faldo series, which was like the elite, still going yeah. around the elite series for like junior golf. And although my handicap was low enough to enter, I never made the ballot, and that was frustrating. I think I was off like four and I was 16. I couldn't even get in. And then one year, they hosted a load of qualifying venues as well. So if you were handicapped, low enough to enter, but you hadn't made the ballot, you could go and actually play around a golf and try and get in. And it was at, um, oh, what's it called, near Middleton, the Muni, um, Heaton Park. Oh, yeah, the Himalayas of Manchester. Yeah, exactly. And I played there. And I played with Andrew Murray's son. So Andrew Murray, who won the European Open. Like so 19, Tom. Tom Murray. He actually wasn't, he was off about the same handicap as me. And he just had a really good round. He got through and entered into the, yeah, I think he then got into the Faldo series. And I don't think he then did great within the series, but he was good enough to at least get in. I wasn't good enough to even get in. And at that age, it was, it was a bit disheartening. It's like, I'm not even good enough to get into these tournaments. Never mind, win them and do well. And yeah. then some of those guys, like Oli Fisher was absolutely dominant in that. And he's gone on to have a good career. Yeah, really good. Um, but those guys who who were like that, who who were winning stuff, who aren't even golfers anymore. And it just shows you the levels, doesn't it? It's insane. However, this also, I'm saying the pathway and stuff, this is also isn't super new because there's been golfers playing at ridiculous levels for hundreds of years. Yes, I, I doff my cap to them. This week <laughs> we had a we had a flying visit to Presswick. Yeah, up and down in the day. Mackie's trip on the way back, obviously. Loads of nuggets, spicy nuggets. Oh, they were nice, then. They're good. And we, I filmed a video there of back in eighteen sixty. It was the host venue. The first ever open golf shot was hit on the seventeenth of October, eighteen sixty. Yes. The open, as we know it now, we've just got had a hundred and fiftieth. Um, this was 62 years ago, so 162 oh, yeah. years ago. So they've only missed 12 Opens in that time frame. And on that first tee in 1860, 17th of October, eight golfers battled it out to become the champion golfer of the year. They did. And um, Willie Park, was it? Willie Park won the first one. Um but we, I did a little challenge where I tried to beat the course record set in 1872, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Young um, Tom. Young Tom Morris. Well, what's insane is the Presswick Golf Club is there today. It's in a, we've done a break 75 there. What, one of my favourite tracks, so a quirky, good. random golf course that in some ways shouldn't be how it is, but yeah, it's perfect how it is. It's bizarre. The original golf course was 12 holes, not 18 as it is now. A quick one. I love 12 holes. What a number. 
I, I just it's think... It's more than nine, less than 18. Honestly, <laughs> it's great. 12 holes. How good was it? It was like, we f- I flew around, we were filming. It was just over maybe under three hours, I think we got round in. And you could do it quicker not filming, definitely. And it was just the, amount, the, just the right amount of holes. Abs- and most of the holes that it, it was back then obviously aren't holes today. So they've, they've redone the tees, they've put greens in some fairways. Some greens were real greens. I think it was two holes that were still actually yeah. real holes. But it was like basically cross-country golf. You had the golf course yourself with David Fleming, the head pro, walking around, giving you advice, giving you lines. Some of your decisions he wasn't very fond of. Sometimes they paid off. You hit driver in a hole. You should never hit driver on, but written you better. And it actually worked out well. Um, you did. But what a what a story the Open's actually got. We know that we're huge fanboys of the Open. That's no secret, obviously. But when you go to the course and when you see the actual holes they were playing, now we'll give a little bit of the video away. The original plan was you play with hickories. Yes. And that was because it would be fun to see you struggle with hickories. However, our concern was... If you go out and try and beat young Tom Morris' score with hickories, you're probably not going to because not only was he the Tiger Woods of the day, but you're not used to those golf clubs. It would take you several holes to even understand how to swing them. It, it almost take me weeks and weeks to prepare to exactly. hit hickories. So then if you let's, you wanted to break 47, let's just say you shot 57, for example, then you've not done it. But also we'd be like, yeah, but I'm not, not that you would give the excuse, but there'd be that element of the video of like, yeah, but you're not used to the golf clubs and stuff anyway. You played with your own modern golf clubs from the year 2021, 2022 to see what it was like. And it just highlighted, won't give it away, but how good those guys were. I'm going to give one little thing away. Go on. Okay. I played the first hole really nicely. Yeah. Okay. The first hole is at like nearly 600 yard and they used to call it in the back in the day, a bogey six. Yes. It's what an average golfer would shoot on that hole. Yeah. I scored a five, because it's pretty much like a par five yeah. now. I scored a really nice five. Against the course record, I was already two behind. That's insane. So young Tom Morris, on that very hole, recorded a three. It was an albatross. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. With hickory golf clubs, with a gutty golf ball, it, probably only hitting it 200 yards, he managed to make a three. It's insane. And I, I, made, I'm, I hit a great drive, a great iron shot, a really nice wedge shot. And two putted for a five. I'm very happy we did it the way we did because if you had have been using the Hickory Golf Clubs, I think I wouldn't. In some ways, I would have thought, oh my word, this course feels so much longer because using those clubs. But to see you take it on with real modern clubs and still in parts struggle, yeah, yeah, it just really, it it just really shown how good those boys were. The video will be coming out very soon. I think it's going to be a really good one. But also, I just want to mention, I actually think David Fleming might be my favourite head pro in the country. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of why you might. David, if you're listening, watching, I'm trying to think now why you're not. Um, he is honestly no why not. And a true gent. He's he been is. there for 18 years. He doesn't look it. He, he looks kind of young and, you know, fresh, fresh faced, ready to go. And he's been, oh, is it only the fifth head professional at Presswick? Something like that, yeah. They've Old had, Tom Morris has been a handful, literally a handful. And David Fleming has a phenomenal golf shop um, on site. It has some of the best. Stock anywhere. Yeah. He looked after the lads. He looked after you with a nice hat. We've also got a little bit of a prize pool of of product to give away in the actual um, press week video, which will be coming out in a week or so. Um, but the whole venue there, even like in the secretary, yeah, like such a nice guy, really knowledgeable. knowledgeable. Yeah. There was a bit where we we didn't eat and lunch. The food, yeah, and I didn't eat was, in the oh, end. What was the chef called? David. Was he called David I'm not too? Sure. I think he was. Chef had been there for forty five years. Insane. Um, he gave us this nice little cookbook, which which um, was raising money for charity because he unfortunately lost his wife. And 
Um, we had, and it was really nice. They took us in. This you missed this bit. They have a vault there, oh. right? And I think you guys were setting up the cameras and stuff. And I went into this vault. In this vault, they had like all of this amazing, amazing old gear, in, including original scorecards from the 1864 Open. That's insane. Like they've been properly written out and everything. Each group had a, a gentleman walking around with them to make sure these scallywag good golfers didn't cheat, basically. Yeah, well, that's what's mad. Back in those days, golf professionals were looked down upon. It was the yeah. amateurs that were seen as the, the gentlemen and the, the wealthy. It's crazy. It was almost like if you got too good, it wasn't seen to being being polite. Well, it, I think it was because if you had to work, if, if golf was your living, that was quite like, were these guys real businessmen who would have owned land and yeah. been like, like Ari, Ari, oh, I can't say Aricast, oh my word. This is, Aricast, no, I can't say it. Entrepreneurial. No. <laughs> How do you say it, Matt? Aricast, Aricastracts. No, that's not right either. Aristocrats. Aristocrats. Um, <laughs> hey, when that happens. You could have used your mic there for the first time, Matt. Should we hear Matt speak? Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought it plugged in. It's his chance to redeem himself. Um, so yeah, it was it was like frowned upon one time. Like professionals weren't allowed to go in the in the clubhouse at many times. But the first ever open, it was thirty six holes. They teed off at twelve o'clock noon. They played two loops of twelve. Went to the Red Lion. Basically, got smashed and had yeah. a bit of food. Came back and played the other twelve holes. It's very similar to how we do breaks up the fives. <laughs> <laughs> but that was all done in like a six yeah. hour window. That's how golf should be. Unbelievable. No, what a great video. I'm very much looking forward to that one coming out and I think everyone will enjoy it. But Rick, I've got some emails for you. Go As for a mixture it. of that, I've got a few good ones. So if you want to email us, please do. It's podcast at rickshields.com. One thing I want to mention to people that are writing in, we appreciate your emails and we try and read every single one of them. We really do. And we reply to some and we read obviously some out. If you send us a long email that's really long, we really appreciate it. And I, I personally, I know Rick does, we love reading them. But we might be able to read them out when they're so long. So just be aware of that. Like We're not ignoring you. It's just that it's hard to read out long ones. That yep. makes sense, doesn't it? True, very true. So this one is a nice one, actually, Rick. And it's um, something that I think people should just um, take a moment to think about. And anything we can do to help this, I think, is is worthwhile. It's from, I'll just say it's first name. It's from Connor. It says, thank you for saving me. He says, hi, uh, Guy and Rick. This email is nothing more than a thank you. I've really struggled with mental health recently. And as a man, it feels very hard to talk about. Being on the golf course and watching the videos and listening to the podcast are some way, some of the only times I feel at ease. So thanks for keeping me going from Connor. Oh, very nice, Connor. Um, and I replied to him and said that, you know, we were going to read that out and just say his first name. But just a quick note, and something I said to him in the email, you know, as a man or whatever, or even if you're a female, it can be very hard to talk about mental health, but don't let it be. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you had a, a broken leg or a sore arm, you'd go to the doctor and talk about it with no qualms. So a problem shared is a problem Absolutely. Halved. You know, anyone listening out there, I know a lot of people struggling and it's, it, we, we all have times where it's, it's tough, but speak to somebody. There's, there's, there definitely will make you feel a lot, lot better. But thanks anyway, Connor, and we really appreciate you reaching out. However, we've had an email here, Rick, from... I thought it's going to be a complaint. Might be. Yeah, it is. So it's from, I'll read him out, Stuart Smith. Okay. Laptop's going in front of me. Okay. Hi, both. Oh, not even <clears throat> first names. I need your help. Okay. As I said, I have some really irrational anger building up. That's what the title of the email, which I've just missed off, was called Irrational Anger Building Up. Having watched Rick's videos for a good few years now, I absolutely love them. So keep doing what you're doing. Okay. My favorite videos being any of the on-course ones where we place different golf courses. However, there is something that is starting to get my goat, which must mean to get annoyed, and I don't know why. Okay. Why, oh why, 
does Rick always use anything except a ball marker to mark his ball on the green? <laughs> Mainly tees and pitchforks. Surely poking these into the hallowed turf of the greens would be better suited. Well, would be better suited using a ball marker or a coin. Like I said, it's quite irrational, which had me thinking. What may be a good section for the podcast might be asking people and us what are little things that annoy you on the golf course. So maybe next week we'll do that. If you've got anything that annoys you on the golf course that shouldn't do, we'll put this on Facebook as well. Let us know. But this is your time now to explain to Stuart Smith why the hell you use a T and not a ball marker sometimes. And I've had this as well in the in the breaks in your five videos. Actually, I've had a lot of comments. I actually don't really think about it that much. No. I, I, I'll... I do use ball markers yeah. and tees and pitchforks and beer cans and all sorts to mark my ball. The only weird Anything one goes. is when he brings his YouTube gold plaque. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit over the top. Sometimes you got to flex. Um, yeah, I don't do it on purpose, Stuart. I'm really sorry. I don't think it's all the time, but it's probably majority of the time. Uh, yeah. If I was playing in a more serious competition or whatever it may be, I would definitely use a ball marker because it's somewhat disrespectful using a tee peg when there's other golfers around. My only argument would be, this is a weak one, I'm going to run with it, is by using a tee or a pitchfork or some description, it's more visible on camera. So people can maybe see it a little bit more. Rick's, if you listen to this, Rick Smirk, as he says, it does a bit of making it up as he goes. It's quite good, though. Um, no, I, I genuinely, genuinely ha- use anything. Yeah. I have no... Yeah, it, I've got loads of ball markers in my bag, but often just a quick tee peg, stick it in, pull it out. What? <laughs> uh, clean your yep. balls and yep. pop, yeah, pop, yeah. <laughs> pop it back in. So uh, no, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm exactly the same. If I was playing the comp... I would always use an actual proper yeah, yeah. round ball marker. When we're playing just even on a break 75, I'll use a T. Sometimes yeah. I'll use a ball marker, sometimes a T. And I've had that. People have commented on it for me before, and it's not really a big deal. The only ones I've, I don't like, and I've tried them in the past, I don't particularly like the poker chips. No, I'm not a fan. Because certainly if it's in someone's way, it's like, can you move They're your marker on? They're a bit too one? big, aren't they? Yeah, they are a bit too big. Do you remember, though, back in the day, and I feel like this has definitely died off, and he mentioned, uh, Stuart mentioned this in the email about poking stuff in the in the floor. It's going to make next to no difference to the, to, you know, to the performance of the green, because people walk on with spikes and everything mm. else. But ball markers have definitely got rid of the, the, the spike. They, have more, indeed. They? they used to be a round circle with like a little spike yeah. that, that would keep it in place. Yeah. Now it's just flat. It's really gone, that, hasn't it? It has. I wonder why. They feel very much like a plastic set that you'd get. Like when you start playing golf, right. and your auntie knows you play golf, and at Christmas you'll get your pack of ball markers. I've got, literally at home, I'm sure I've got a bag, bag somewhere, of like little tiny um, metal ones from different golf courses. Oh, that's quite cool. And, and underneath, it wasn't so much a spike. It was almost like a little bit of a... I know what you're going to say. Like a round, buttony, like little... Yeah. yeah. Like more like a press Like a knob. Little knob. Like a... Little knob. Just a little like knob. A little knob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why is that funny? Just, yeah. Um, so, Stuart, I apologise for you. The next time I go and play around you the golf... You will use a little knob. I will use... My little knob. To <laughs> Where's this going? This is fine. Uh, right, okay. I've got a little discussion point for you, Rick. And also, I would love people watching to get involved with this in the comments below. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, and if you're not watching, you're listening, hey, um, emails. Could you? Emails? Could they? Oh, you could. I'll try it. Podcast at rickshields.com. Yes. It really excites me how good you're getting at reading that email address out. Just a quick one, though, and I genuinely don't know the answer to this. got 10 seconds, be quick. Is it podcast at rickshields.com or podcasts? Podcast. Okay. So no. I just think we only do one podcast. There's no need for <laughs> the plural. If we did several podcasts, maybe we could actually do a spin-off podcast. I've thought this before. How can we monetize the podcast more? So maybe we do like a Friday banter where there's no structure, based like this, really, but even more lack of structure. And we just chat. Don't, if we go more lack of structure, it's going to really get silly. <laughs> right. So this is one. I know I've just joked then about listening versus watching. But if you are listening, it might be worth just uh, when you get in out your car or finish your run, finish mowing the lawn. What else would you be doing? Why else would you be listening rather than watching? What could you be doing? Walking the dog. Yes. Um, you could be painting. Yes. You could be shopping. Shopping. Could, could be microwave. Work. Yeah. Could be in the gym. Could be in the pumping. I just want pumping iron now to like literally right this second pumping. <laughs> oh, that was weird. oh my god, where is this going? Well, I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, go on. <laughs> that was weird. right. So we had not last week because that was Reese episode. The week before we had this little bit of discussion about our new golf clubs a waste of money, and it was a bit of a tongue in cheek kind of joke, if not joke, but topic about how you know new golf clubs aren't innovating very much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And ultimately, you know, nothing's a waste of money if it makes people happy and wants to play golf. But I went to the driving range at the weekend, which I told you about. You know the story, what's coming. And um, I was in there talking to the manager of the American Golf Store. And he showed me a set of irons just out of it, just out of, wasn't expecting you to review them, nothing like that. Just said, oh, look at these irons they've got in that are quite good. So my discussion put is on these irons and, and a bit of a more holistic look at golf brands as well. And it's something that confuses me and hopefully you've got an answer to this, but you may not. There's a brand called Ben Ross, which UK listeners will probably be aware of. Maybe in America you might not have heard of this brand, but Ben Ross, as far as I believe, was a British golf manufacturer, is a British golf manufacturer. And they launched probably 20 years ago. This might not be completely correct, but in that ballpark. And they were essentially kind of designed to be premium-ish golf clubs, but probably two-thirds of the price of your big boy brands. Yeah. And you did reviews on Ben Ross before. Yeah, you've done yeah, quite definitely. a few products. At yeah. least even when I've been w- working with you, you've, you've done some and we've, we've had the drives and whatever. Um, but now Ben Ross have been o- bought and owned by American Golf. Okay. okay. Now, normally when a retailer buys a brand, I often think it, it devalues the heritage of the brand and it becomes a bit more cheap and a bit more profit-driven. Yeah. So in the UK, one of our biggest sports retail, Sports Direct, essentially owns probably 80% of the brands in the Slazingers, yeah. uh, Everlast, blah, blah, blah. All of Dunlop, all of which in the day were very good brands. You know, Slazing- in their own right. Exactly. Slazinger Golf, literally, it might be silly people that don't know this, but 20 years ago, Slazinger was yeah. great and even like longer. Seven Ballesteros was, was rocking the, the sweaters and the jumpers and, and even the clothing. Oh, sorry, even the golf clubs were really and, good. And Everlasting Boxing were a massive brand. So there is that worry that sometimes, again, when a, you know this happens, it can devalue a brand and the product gets more inferior. However, from what I've seen from Ben Ross, they've got a set of irons out right now that are a new set of irons that I've shown you a picture of, but I'm going to put them on the screen and just show you again, Rick, so you can get your eyes on them, that look absolutely pure. The guy at American Golf gave them to have a hit of on the range when I was hitting some balls. You know what? They were, they were good. I didn't come away absolutely blown away. But I also thought they were perfectly good and decent. Yeah. Now... These irons, as you see from the video, are a, a forged set of irons that have a very distinctive tailor-made look. Certainly some of the RAC, I think, TPs from a number of years ago, but even the new 7MCs, they look you can, they look similar. I would say they've been heavily inspired Absolutely. by tailor-made irons. I would wholeheartedly agree. Now, these irons aren't cheap, cheap. They are four to pitching wedge, and you can get them fitted as well. It's six nine nine. okay, £700. If you went into American Golf and you wanted the equivalent in tailor-made, the P7MCs, for the same number of irons, you're looking at £1,099. So where I'm getting to with this is there's a £400 difference in price, both a brand new, shiny, in a wrapper, whatever. Firstly, I know that one of the reasons why Ben Ross can be cheaper, they don't pay tour athletes, so whereas tailor-made are paying the wages of Tiger, Rory, blah, 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 that cost a fortune. I actually think that was Ben Ross's biggest tagline as well back in the day. Yeah, it was that you were our tour pro. So yeah. the guy in the street, the woman in the street that plays their clubs, you're our tour pro. You're correct. That, I remember that. And also, you know, your, your brands like TaylorMade and, and Callaways, they do definitely spend a lot more on R&D. So they're the guys that really find these new technologies and then smaller brands may copy. Be inspired. Yes, be inspired. <laughs> but basically, my point was two things. Firstly... Does this prove that a good quality set of irons should be more like £700 and not over £1,000, which is driving people insane? Certainly, it's tough, you know, eco- economical climate. You know, things are getting tighter. 
So that's one question that I'm going to pose to you. Should clubs be cheaper? This is proven they can be. But secondly, and this is what's bad of me as a golfer, I've tried those irons out and I know they're quite good. But yeah, I wouldn't want to use them. Brand snobbery is a thing. Yep. It is. Like you, if, if I asked golfers and, and walked around the driving range and asked them what their favourite brands are, it's probably going to be the, the names that we know. Mm-hmm. TaylorMade, Titleist, Callaway, Ping. It's very rare... I almost feel like I could ask a hundred golfers at a driving range. I don't think any of them would say Ben Ross. Yeah. Personally, would they? No, that, you're right. <laughs> and that goes with heritage. It goes with having very, very premium products for long periods of time. Like you look at a brand like Ping, they've been known for being excellent for a long, long time, as I've Titleist, Taylor Made, Callaway. Where someone like a Ben Ross, because it's had such a twisty, windy road of, of a pathway, a journey, I think it loses a little bit of that credibility with with a general golfer. You know, like say, it was a standalone brand. It was super cheap, almost a bit cheap and cheerful kind mm-hmm. of vibe. And they've been bought by American Golf. That's that's a disruption in, in the kind of the, the journey. Suddenly bringing out irons that look much 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 nicer from slightly more pricier than mm. like if you just said to me six years ago ben, and show me those clubs and gone these this is going to be the clubs that ben ross bring out in like six years i'd have gone no way mm. like you're joking because that doesn't seem to fit with their model at the time they've obviously evolved or american golf want to make some more money out of them whatever it may be but i do think there's there's a like why the pro v1 is so successful it's been there through everybody's golfing journey for the last 22 years, and it's made little tiny changes so much. But where I think there's a big market for clubs like this are probably new, brand new golfers who don't have that loyalty to brands, you know, don't have that loyalty to TaylorMade, Titleist, Pings, Callaways, etc., who actually just see that set and go, well, I like these, and mm. they are 400 quid cheaper than everything else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So... I, there is a market for any type of these brands, but I do think brand snobbery or, or the perception of brand values are very different, you know, and, and golfers as a whole um, do prefer these kind of premium brands from what, from my understanding anyway. It, it, yeah, you're right. And it, it does baffle me a little bit how, like, if I you know if I had a friend and it was the 30th birthday, the 40th birthday, whatever, and they were going to treat themselves to a, you know, a premium set of irons and they were going for custom fitting, and they said, you know what? I'm going to go and get whatever I hit best, whatever I like. If my friend walked away with these, I wouldn't for one second poo-poo them. But I'd almost think, but why? Yeah. But what's the reason? And if he says... It was oh, the price. It was the price. You go, okay, that makes sense. But I'd still feel like... But is there a, I don't know. It doesn't quite feel... I don't... I, I think it's because it's a brand that is... You're not used to them being like that little bit more premium, but yeah, they're still a long way off. Like, would you recommend a friend to go and spend seven hundred pounds on a golf bidder set that's like maybe two years old, but was a grand at retail? Yeah. Or would you say go and try that? No, I still, I still would. I know we've You're got an affiliation golf with bidder, yeah. yeah, or even just secondhand in general. Because I just, yeah, and and it's maybe just that even that quality control, that reassurance, that trust that that set of golf clubs are going to be good for a long period of time. Where something like this, I'm not saying they won't be, but you're going in uncharted territory. Yeah. Like, what no, are they going to look like in three years' time? I agree. Like, nobody, we don't know because we've not seen them. Do you know what I mean? Where you, you, you've seen old sets of tailor-mades or t- Titleist or Ping, whatever, and you go, okay, well, that's what they're going to look like in three or four years. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's t- It's worth <clears> talking. It's just weird, isn't it? It's like there's a clubs that I've tried. They felt good. They look very, very good. They're much cheaper. 
competitors. But yet it doesn't feel, the sun doesn't feel quite right. And, I, and it might be that I am a golf snob and, yeah. and I'm happy to, well, not happy to, but I'm willing to hold my hands up and say I must be. Um, but but it doesn't just happen in golf, this. It happens in cars as well. Yeah. Like how many, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a couple of cars that I've seen that would pull them up at a petrol station and go, that looks nice. Like, what the hell is that? That looks really cool. And it's like a Skoda. Yeah. And don't want to poo-poo Skoda at all, but it's like, oh, I didn't expect that to be yeah. a Skoda. And it's like that brand connection. Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, I've got this kind of negativity for no personal reason yeah. against the car of that of that brand. That sounds like being a bit of an idiot. No, well, I know, now, but, but it, I don't, I'm not meaning to offend anybody with that. You can it's do just that my, any, yeah. It's just my perception of what that is. I think it's had a bad history, hasn't it? It's not made particularly great cars. It's probably trying to change that image now, for example, yeah. a bit like Ben Ross or other brands. You know, it's a, it just got me thinking, and I think a lot of golfers, and rightly so, we do complain about the price of golf clubs certainly going up and being super expensive. But again, in a long-winded point, there are more alternatives out there. And I would, you know, we're in no way affiliated with American golf, which I think is perfectly clear from some of the previous podcasts we've done where we've actually angered them, let's be honest. Um, but it might be worth trying. If you're looking for a set of forged irons and you want something that's a bit cheaper than its competitors, maybe try them out. And if you do try them out and you think they're great, let us know. If you try them out and you think they're rubbish, let us know. My last thing... Has the price gone up of those because the price of other irons have also gone up? Yeah, maybe. But I suppose as well, that's that's the forged offering, I must say. They do do cheaper cast clubs. But I think with that, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. If you if you cost them too cheap, let's say 399 they feel like they're nowhere near the level of a tight list, yeah, yeah. a tailor-made, a ping, whatever, Mizuno. If you charge them nearer and you get too close, then no one's going to pick them. So you have to be in that sweet spot, but then it's, it's still expensive. What I'm getting at here... That price that you're telling me there, six to seven years ago, was the price of a brand new set of tailor Very true. Irons. Yes, they might have been three nine nine at the time. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like because the the top line bar has gone up so yeah. much, everything else under it has gone up a little yeah. bit as well. No, you're right. I remember, like I said, six seven years ago, a set of nice forged irons was six nine nine. Well, that that uh, golf magazine you brought in the other day, yeah, everything was the top top stuff was six nine nine. I mean, it was yeah. twenty odd years old, but still, it's um, even. But even when I was at Nike in 2014, 15, 16, whatever. The top, I know Nike wasn't seen as high end as tailor made, etc., but it still was the same price point, and it was like six nine nine for a set of forged irons. So it now, so that's the new new ones of that, isn't it? Yeah, you can't get a set of irons brand will, new. Will it be in five years, or will it hit a ceiling? Will it just keep going up and up and up? <sighs> Who knows? Do you want some Facebook questions? Do it. So, um, as always, if you're not a member of, I want, I want a one word answer from you, Rick. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, what are you? A plonker. Nice. Offensive, but yeah, radio friendly. <laughs> I know I'm not like a plonker's like a kind of someone who's a bit of a plonker. It's not like you're a your villain or your thugs. Like he's a plonker. He's a jovial. He's the guy that walks to the pub a bit late. <laughs> I think it's Ricky. Ricky's a plonker, isn't he? Ricky's a yeah, 100% plonker. Uh, okay, so from Ryan Ho, would RS, I presume that means Rick Shields, <laughs> um, or it could mean. I don't think somebody else famous with an RS. Um, Whoever gets one first wins. You should know some. I know. Rick Stein. Is he a chef? Yeah, will do. I win, 1-0. Uh, would Rick Stein, <laughs> Rick Shields, ever sponsor Golf Pro supporting them to get them to the DP World Tour? <clears throat> I must admit, it's crossed my, my, my mm. mind. I know, I can a tell it. Times that's recently. why I wanted to answer this. I'm... I'm I don't know what it looks like yet, but after speaking to Reese and, and spending a bit more time with these kind of pros who were trying to make it, it does fascinate me. Mm. Like I am quite interested to see what that would would look like. 
it'd have to be some sort of content plan. I'd almost, I'd almost like to audition and, and try and audition for three pros a year mm. and we follow the journey and we sponsor everything. We, you know, we fund it fully, but on, on that, they've got, they make content around it. Yeah. What would fascinate me as well is let's just say, for example, you had Reese who we filmed the other day and he played in an event and shot like an 80 and said that was a really hard event. And the next day we film with him and he shoots 63. It just shows how good he yeah. actually is and how hard the events yeah. are. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really good to have. And then we can almost like attach him to the channel. We can have him on the podcast. We yeah. can chat to him. We can bring him for videos. And then when they get into the Masters, that's your ticket to that's walk me around. Done. You can, I can see you there with shades on, cap on, big lanyard around your neck. Lanyards. Lanyard, multiple, multiple lanyards. Some of them are like, Rick, why have we got Disneyland yeah, Lanyard on? It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. Why have we got the open? Why? <laughs> the open from six years ago on. Yeah, but that would that be quite cool, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, it would. Maybe, um, maybe we'll look at doing that next year. Stefan's Valdmanis. I hope I've not butchered your name there, but I think I probably have. Are there any club releases that you guys are genuinely looking forward to testing? Or do you think they're all pretty much the same, you know, same gear, new marketing, etc.? Um... I always get quite excited about the new drivers, certainly from TaylorMade and Callaway. Yeah. And Ping a little bit as well, because they do a new one out. Um, but nothing that's... I'm always intrigued to see what TaylorMade bring out. Yeah. Now, normally after a big launch like Stealth, you normally don't get back-to-back massive it'll launches. It'll be an evolution as opposed yeah. to a revolution. <laughs> so it'll be a, it'll be a guessing Stealth 2 of some description. Um, I feel like Callaway kind of keep flipping and yeah. flipping don't they they're on rogue this time so it'll be epic again and rogue, so, epic. Yeah. So, i don't know they they i feel like they need to kind of do something quite big this year potentially with driver they might not think it but certainly to get the juices flowing um yeah it, yeah it's tough. it is a real tough one it, it i feel like the brands are probably scratching their own heads going but the hell this is getting hard fellas you're right i think I'm in two frames. Part of me thinks they're not going to be any better, so I'm not excited. Then part of me thinks, but they have to do something. So what can that something yeah. be? Yeah. That's quite exciting to think, what is that something? Definitely this time last year, we were starting to get teasers about the new Stealth Driver. Yes. This was like before we even knew what it was going to be. And it was like, oh my God, something new. Like really, really new. And I remember going down and we, we went and hit it at um, just in, uh, North Hants. Yes. I went and hit it at North Hants. And I was like, genuinely, for the first time in a long time, I was like, ready to stand over that driver and go, bloody hell, this is it. And I was like, ah. Yeah, I think... This isn't... Yeah. It, this isn't that different. I think what more brands surely need to be doing in the future is... I know we've had a little bit with our cost, but this, you know, infusion of technology, you know, it, it seems crazy that, you know, we know there's rules in place by the RNA, the USGA, these governing bodies who determine what they can do with golf clubs. But why, you know, why can't they do more with technology? I don't know what it looks like, whether it's, it does connect to your phone, it measures your yeah. club head speed. It, you know, it can't be that difficult to do. <laughs> and another thing I'd like to see, whether this would, would be financially viable, I guess it wouldn't be, which is why they don't. But, you know, lots of golfers don't play competition, do they? I would, no. I'd love to know the split of actual golfers in the UK and then versus who actually play club comps. I bet it's a smaller split than you think. Yeah. Why is there not more illegal golf clubs? Yeah. Because if you only play rec like with a friend, I was going to say recreation. I can't speak today. I can't say fancy. Can you say recreationally? That was it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you wanted a, a 500cc driver or a really hot-faced driver. I mean, it maybe then people would play in comps with them, which would be cheating. But why, why, why yeah, can't I they do know. it? 
I think brands probably might get a little bit more scared about things like that, yeah. like a brand becoming almost known for making illegal clubs rather than genuine clubs. And I suppose if they were actually, if you think bought about how much R and D, I don't know. If you bought an illegal one today, and it went miles, let's just say, you would never then buy the normal version for the next ten years, would you? Because there'd be no need to. <coughs> but, but you buy the next illegal, maybe you would. There's, yeah. no, there's no limits. That's true. It make it give us much more to test. It would be good if, if brands would do some things like that sometimes, but who knows? Yeah, that'd be class. Um, We're getting a lot of requests about going to Australia. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's weird, that, because actually last night I was watching <coughs> Grand Designs Australia, so it's yeah. fate, yeah. Um, Possibly, Will, at some point. I've seen the one from Will Bubby. He said, do you guys ever drink whilst you're playing, or is it usually too serious? Um, No, I do play and drink. Yeah, Not on, not on video, but I actually enjoy it. More than I thought I was ever going to do. Drink, drinking and playing? Yeah. Drinking and driving, but not that kind of... Drinking and driving 360 yards. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> I think that's the future. Um, what uh considered to be made going... Duh, duh, duh. Oh, sorry, read that one wrong. Just so you know, I'm done now. I'm out of content, so I'm free willing this. Okay. Every, <laughs> this is from John. Everyone has a swing thought, okay? Or multiple ones when you step up to the ball... What's your most common swing thought and does it help you focus? Do you have a swing thought? Yes. Mine changes all the time. At the minute, I'm trying to stand close to the golf ball, which means I feel like it's going to cause me to not early extend as much. And then swing kind of out. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but it doesn't really work. I have two, really. I I feel like I'm trying to get my right knee to touch my left knee on the way down and swing left. Yeah, That's, That's all I think about currently. But then I have multiple ones as well. I've lots of sometimes I've stood over it. I'm actually, I know some of my shots haven't shown it recently, but I feel like I'm I'm having much less thoughts chipping now. Well, that's pitching. I was going to come on to that. I think swing thoughts, although every professional golfer in the world, I guess, has them. They're almost a bad thing sometimes because too many of them. Well, the the shots that I am most comfortable on, I have no thought. No. So if I was in a bunker, I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm getting it out every time. And I'm somewhat up and downable. I open the face, shuffle, shuffle my feet and hit it. I don't think about anything, do you? I just think about where I want to hit the sand. Yeah, see, I don't even think... I must Maybe subconsciously I do, but I don't even think of that. Or same like a bump and run, really. I might look at what I want to do with it and think, right, I'm going to land it there and come around that and use the break. But then when I'm over the ball, I don't. I know it's a short swing, but I don't think of anything. Yeah, I think I'm thinking less on driver. And the opposite. And thinking more on wedge shots, naturally. Yeah. Putting a... Possibly need to think a bit more because I don't think I think enough. Um, <laughs> think, will you? Uh, oh, question for you. Oh, okay. Mark Lee. On your last break, 75, guy hit a ball out of bounds, then decided not to go back to the tee to replay the shot. This was Clitheroe. Yes. As other groups were waiting, and uh, you see gave up on your score. Why didn't you use the new rule to allow two shot strokes drop from where balls went, where guy's ball went out of bounds? Yeah. Um... Well, it was, it was a lost golf, but it wasn't actually out of bounds. But anyway, only because my score's borderline irrelevant, really, isn't it? So but, it's. But I, I don't think you could have used that rule because, like I say, it wasn't out of bounds. I don't know if you can. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if a lost ball, you still have to go back. Or if you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, a lost, I think a lost ball, you've got to go back. Yeah, from was, what I understand. It doesn't really work. And also, it. it's a local rule. It is. So it's not actually a. Oh, I you can mo- do it on lost ball. I think most golf clubs have him. It's a good idea because it definitely speeds up play, but they only suppose. In that situation, it would have been worth it. But I suppose in hindsight, you're probably you're always going to be in a bad spot. Probably if you've lost your ball, so you're placing it in a place or dropping it in a place is not ideal. But anyway, I don't know. Um, 
Andrew Tyro, can you use Rick's Break 75 scores on the World Handicap System to see what his playing handicap is currently? I recall when you had uh, did the pod last year and did it, yeah. So last, I think last year it weirdly gave me like a plus one or plus two handicaps. I had a good round at Mia. I think my lowest round of golf this year has been level on Break 75. Where was at that? At again. With, oh, the caddy. With caddy. One over at St. Andrews. Level at St. Andrews, sorry. Yeah. The last. I've had a couple of levels, so it'll probably it, they'll probably use that, so it'll probably be about scratch. I feel like my bad ones are getting better, but still throwing in a couple of 80s. I think, no, just a quick <laughs> note on that, though. I think what a lot of... I know people watch them just for fun, and there's one coming out today. This will obviously be a couple of days ago when you're listening and watching this, but, like, not defending your actions, undefensible, <laughs> but when you have a bad round and shoot a bad score, yes, sometimes you have played these courses before, sometimes the courses you've never played... But it is a lot harder going to new courses. That's something that I'm obviously the benefit for me playing with you, which I really enjoy, is it is a lot harder going to different courses. You don't realise, it sounds obvious, but you know, as a golfer, of a member of a club, when you go elsewhere, it's very rare that you play as well as you do your home course. You often do shoot higher scores, which you can do. You don't know the lines, yeah. you don't know the breaks, you don't know the pace of the greens. Every break 75, you're playing a new course. So it's hard, much, much harder to shoot yeah. around your handicap if you had a handicap. I think if each one of them, and we'd never do this because of time restraints, but if, if each one had a practice round first, yeah, and then the next day I played, I probably I would do a lot, lot better. This is a weird one. Hemmer's put, why is Rick's pinky finger bent? It is bent. A lot of people ask that. I've seen that. Show it, you know, is you the one normal? Oh, wow. But on desk one's flat, one's not. I don't actually know. Some, I think it is a, it is a, thing a disease like my my, my uh my section of my skin there is too small basically but yeah it's bent it looks painful is it not no it, uh, weirdly that which doesn't hurt me at all so right now this is definitely worth watching the podcast <clears> for on audio i'm bending my little finger back as far as i can it's, it's not very far but it's, it's not very straight the other thing i can't do i can't stick my tongue out very far i don't really want to see it that's quite far it's far it's enough not, for i don't like want to see any more than that son <laughs> i have a what do you call it the bottom of your mouth tongue like tongue tie I think everyone has that. Yeah, but you can have it snipped. Okay. We had both our girls snipped. No, but isn't that if it goes all the way down, though? Tongue tied's when it's like you can't move your tongue up at all. Or maybe it's just a tongue, a tight, a tighter tongue. Got tight tongue. <laughs> right, I think on that note. <laughs> you know what? I was going to say at the end of this podcast, if you want to rate us on Apple Five Stars, feel uh, free. But I don't know if you should. Um, maybe rate us four and a half. You can't do four and a half. That's five. One. James Head. If you were to make an illegal golf club, what would it be? What would you want it to achieve? Um, that's a good. You know what? I don't want to go for a driver because that's just too obvious. Because it, it could always go further. It could always go straighter. I want a putter. Mm-hmm. Okay, that shows you the line of the putt. That'd be difficult. It's elite. People, people are clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been to the moon. Do you know what I mean? Sure. There's glasses Wait, now. When do you ask us to? <laughs> there's glasses now from Put View. Where you put these glasses on, it's like almost like VR, and you and, oh, you, and you can actually see the line of the putts. So maybe that linked with a putter yeah. that could, you know, like Tiger Woods game. Do you remember back in the day? Yeah, it used to show you, and you'd be able to just line it up and knock it in. I was actually thinking very similar to that, but not anywhere near as high tech. And it's something you can get as a trainer, It'd just be a laser on the top of the putter that just shows you where you're aiming. Yeah. So if you've got like a three foot straight putt and you put your laser on and it's aiming to the right, well, you're obviously going to miss it. You think? I think that's the thing. It's a training aid. I think. I don't know if it's a real putter. Oh, maybe that's a video idea. Maybe it is. But that's something like that. Oh, yeah, obviously a, a driver. Um, Yeah, oh, you always want to longer and straighter, don't you? So there's not really much, you, you know, that you could think of there, really. What about... 
I'll tell you one. Sorry, quick one. I would like a club where you could almost dial in the distance better from 100 yards. So you still have to aim it, <laughs> still keep some skill, but it's almost like um, a, a, tra- a, a club that would only let you swing a certain length and through to a certain length. So okay. the ball would only go that distance. Like a swingless golf club, but you swing it. But you swing it, but it, yeah. but it, but it has a limiter on it. Yeah. So it's almost like once you get to halfway, you can't take the club back any further. Like it almost weights its way down, and then you swing through to halfway. And as long, as long as you make contact, so there's still a level of skill and aim right, the ball should go that distance. I'm with you. Mm, could work. You know, like a, the clock face drill. Yeah. But one that's like it, it's all it's it, you can you can set it in. Maybe this is why big brands don't do illegal clubs because their ideas aren't that brilliant he's a he's a bloody brilliant at the moment <laughs> the clock face golf club yeah i'd buy that a million yeah, but you buy anything you see on it you put some stuff on instagram <laughs> i do what you'd buy anything off instagram <laughs> if you I saw bought, like i'll tell you what i have bought come on it's coming today the chocolate fire guard <laughs> <laughs> have you seen these uh again it was on instagram it's like a <laughs> business card okay all right that hello lets, 1995 <laughs> but it's only one you don't hand it out Scan it. Yeah, scan it on someone's phone. Okay. And also you get a sticker to the back of your phone. So if, if let's say, big important meeting, oh, Rick, what's your contact details? How can I find you? You literally scan your phone to their phone and up on their phone pops up all your information. That's good. That is good because we have a lot of big important meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, how do I find you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, yeah, but, LinkedIn, but YouTube? How many times, I'll, I'll tell you when it would be useful. And I'll, I'll have to set it so I don't have my phone number on there. But when, let's say, um, we go filming somewhere, yeah. okay, and Doris behind the bar goes, oh, what are you doing with all those fancy cameras? They look fancy. Let me show you, Doris. And you <laughs> and you can go, oh, we have a YouTube channel. Oh, what's the channel name? And you can go, oh, oh actually. It's... Do you think she's got a phone that's capable of doing that? <laughs> she pulls out, she, she walks up with a house phone. What do I do? <laughs> So basically, can, you're saying you've got a business card on your phone, but you're not going to put the phone number on, so then it's just going to have links to your uh, social platforms. So rather than saying, search Rick Shields, you're now going to say, get your phone out. <laughs> you go, it's in the car, one sec. They walk the car, they unlock the car. So my next thing then, okay. my next brain, you know, clever idea, how we're going to get to 3 million subscribers. Yeah. I'm going to have it now on my phone. I'll have my phone on one hand and my business card on the other. And when like, I go shopping or I go anywhere, just literally like tap people's phones and, and like... Yeah. And then when they all get on, they go, what's this mad contact I've got in my phone? Oh, YouTube. Oh, look at this. Rick Shields, I've got to subscribe. Yeah. You know what I think we should do? <laughs> Whenever we go to services and there's like, you know, the urinals have done little boards and stuff and they have like messages on. Should be like one for you. And it's like... Would if your shaft's not stiff enough? Search Rick Shields golf tips. <laughs> I like it. Lean a little bit left. Yeah. Check out Rick Shields golf wanna, tips. Want to be longer than average? Rick Shields golf. There's loads of ways you could leverage that. In all the. Do you, do you struggle with your flop game? Oh, nice. Check me out, Rick Shields. Whatever it is. <laughs> Want better balls? No, that's when they work. Anyway, I think on that note, I'm all out of innuendo. Find out how to clean your balls. Check out rickshields.com. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's get a lot of services, toilets. Love it. Wouldn't be very expensive. And I've like a poster of me, like my big beard looking down at them and going, like judging. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs>
had worse. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, literally, it's been the Induendo show today. Hopefully you've enjoyed it's it. It's all Matt's fault. Hopefully you've not listened to With Young Children. And we'll see you next week. When we'll have more things to talk about. Hopefully. Probably won't. <laughs> Peace. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 